Hello, welcome to the Skies and Currents podcast. I'm Teresa, and I'm here with Christina. Today is Sunday, November 19th, and we are going to talk about the week ahead. Hello, Christina. Hi, Tess. Um, we are back. <laughs> uh, we have been trying multiple different uh, recording programs, software thingies on the internet um, for this podcast, and we just keep landing back at this one system that we think we like think it's not working or like it's kind of like a crappy system but in, fa in fact it works the best of all the ones we've tried for some reason we, we just, just keep coming back to it we just lost one <laughs> recording and so we second guess yeah. but yeah we've yeah. tried to this is i think uh, we've tried to record this episode multiple times now and so i'm a little bit lost but luckily you can track those guys for us and keep us on track <laughs> I feel like this is so we've had an interruption in the schedule right so we were supposed to re release a podcast last week and um my son had a health um issue which he's fine now he was hospitalized briefly but it's all good he's getting better it was just like a very long and sad frustrating week um but the last episode we recorded, the audio was corrupted and didn't work. And then we just tried to record on another um, <laughs> on another platform and it didn't work at all. And so we're just experiencing the full effects of the Mars, um, excuse me, of the Mercury-Saturn square mm -hmm. right now. <laughs> Basically, Saturn's like, no, you cannot speak. You I will not speak. I actually remember you talking about that the first time we recorded this. Mm -hmm. It was over a week ago. And thinking to myself, like, well, that's not going to be good for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the funny thing about trying to record an astrology podcast at a regular time each week is it doesn't make any sense with the skies. You know, like you mm. would normally you would try to record um, or initiate any sort of project at a time when <laughs> you could execute that project well, according to the planets. But we were trying to stick to a schedule, and so I was like, okay, well, we're going to record on this day. But it happened to be the Mars fucking Saturn square. So I was like, well, you know, I don't know. We probably, or excuse me, the Mercury Saturn square. And I'm like, this might not work out. And it didn't. It did not work <laughs> out. But sometimes you just have to do your best and just try anyway. Yeah, well, we might have to just go rogue and like uh, have like a chaotic astrology schedule that is based on the planets instead of marketable regularity. <laughs> I'm, you know what? I'm on board. I'm always on board. I'm, you know, that's I'm always on board for the more chaotic option. <laughs> you and are also, actually, and also, and, also the le and also the least marketable option. <laughs> <laughs> the most chaotic least marketable option cool cool i feel like you're so funny because you you present as extremely mild and like quiet and sort of sweet um and yet you are in favor of aggressive chaos for the better <laughs> for the betterment of everyone of course the bodhicitta chaos <laughs> i don't know i don't know what that is I mean, I'm sure you could probably figure it out by looking at my chart, but I do. I I like, uh, I mean, my life has been very chaotic for the whole time, 
mostly. <laughs> <laughs> and I am not opposed. <laughs> well, Tess, you wear your chaos well. Thank very, you. Very, very. Thank you. I, I, I love your chaos and I love you and you're Aww. the absolute best. Thank you so much. I know. I, I'm like, I am so happy just for, I mean, one of the reasons I'm so thankful for the, the long-term friends that I, that I have, because I'm like, you guys are just, you're amazing. Just coming at, just accepting me and all these bizarre <laughs> iterations of my existence. Oh, Thanks. Man. Thanks. Love you guys. You're the best. <laughs> You're very easy to accept. Very easy. Even in the in the craziest times, very easy to accept. And very wonderful to be around. Oh, thank um, you. I was just thinking about when he used to live with us in LA. <laughs> All of a sudden, I had a memory of that when you were like going into the blue. And I was like, what is going on oh. with Tess? <laughs> yeah. I, that was, I have such fond memories of that really. It was not a very long window in time. But I remember... Also, Jordan was living with you at that time because oh he had God. just yeah because he had just gone through a breakup, and you didn't have it wasn't a huge house, but we were all just like I was totally you know trying to simultaneously like trying to repiece my life together and not totally coherent and able to grasp the world, and he was just like devastated, heartbroken, and. We were just like in your house, these weird people. Yeah. <laughs> they were just like hanging out in there. I feel like this period of time is like the most, um, it's, it's very descriptive of my essential nature. Like I just want like all of my people to be in my home, like where I can take care of them. And it's just, just like deep, deep intimacy with everybody. Like bring everybody into the space. Like we, I used to live in, um, in a little, a little tiny bungalow shack in, in, um, in Los Angeles. And I was married very young and most of my friends were single and, you know, not living in homes, like living in random apartments that, that they were moving, they were moving a lot. They were much less rooted than I was. So a lot of people would come and, and stay with me and my ex at that time. And yeah, what Tess was describing is like just the perfect distill distillation of that moment. Cause I had like the sad, brokenhearted musician, a chaos man musician, like sleeping on our couch. And then Tess like going into altered states of reality, like <laughs> seeing God, like, <laughs> like <laughs> just like this like crazy mystic, like living in the other rooms. It's like, I don't even know where were you guys both sleeping? Like, how are you both there? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering now too. I'm like, I don't remember being uncomfortable. And you must, I think that you must have been in the guest room and was he was in the couch. Yeah, yeah, I think what happened is I was in the room. Uh, I mean, I honestly don't remember any of the details. I just, I mean, that's not the first time that I lived with you and um, your ex either. I've had the, yeah. and it's always been wonderful. I mean, the two of you, and yeah. we're all still friends. Um, yeah, you, good two time. Been, you two have been very lovely in my life in so many different windows of time. Well, same to you to you um but anyway you, you, so you've both helped me manage my chaos quite a bit so thank you for that <laughs> i mean I, I i feel like this got framed as like an insult to you and it's not no, at all no, you have like, the best i don't know no, no, like, 
possible. I don't take it that. I don't take it that way. I'm genuinely on board, like into it. Like, yes, let's. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so sp- speaking of chaos, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the week ahead uh, is full of chaos. Um, it's it's actually not really chaos. It's sort of this like it's just a disappointment energy is what's happening next week. Um, like I, I was trying to think about a an ana- a deeper analogy for what's going on, and it's almost like okay, we're next week is the beginning of Sagittarius season, okay, um. And the central nature of Sagittarius is like optimism, excitement, uh, hopefulness. Sagittarius is interested in all things that enrich our life. Um, It's like adventuring to find meaning, you know, going out into the world um, to to learn something new, to experience something new. Sagittarius is very essentially like an optimistic sign. Um, But I feel like one of the, one of the distinct qualities of this Sagittarius season is like, we're just, we're missing the optimism and somehow the like jolly sort of, ruler of Sagittarius, Jupiter, who is like the great benefic of the sky, who is supposed to help us make meaning and help us expand and help us learn things. He's basically like conspicuously absent from his own um from his own territory. So he's over in Taurus. Jupiter is retrograde and not aspecting Sagittarius at all. So he has like, it's almost like he can't even get his own kingdom on the phone, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And in his house, he has been replaced by Saturn. (laughs) Like um, Saturn is basically trying to just take over this space and shut the party down. That's sort of like the vibes that I'm getting from this Sagittarius season. And it's not because Saturn is in Sagittarius, but because he's in Jupiter's other sign of Pisces and he's creating a direct square to Sag. So every planet, as it enters Sagittarius, is going to square Saturn. Um, And so it's almost like you could imagine Sagittarius being this like festive party space. Like it's, it's really the, it's the territory that takes up the most of the holiday season, right? So it starts right before Thanksgiving and ends at the solstice. So the whole lead up to the Christmas is Sag season, right? Um, so we're supposed to be like all joyful and festive and, um, but our fun uncle Jupiter, <laughs> he's like in the hospital or he's, you know, <laughs> he decided to take a sab- sabbatical this season and Saturn instead is just like, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's like, he's sending over like little grenades. Like he's just like 
he's calling the police every time everyone throws a party that's too loud, basically. Um, and so this is sort of like the fundamental dynamic that is the background. It's not the only difficulty that will come up throughout Sag season, but sort of the background of Sag season. Like, it's not like you can't do anything fun. It's not like you can't, you know, try to have a good time. But as soon as you have too much of a good time, Saturn's going to be like, no, <laughs> I'm calling the police on you. Turn the music down. Like, that's not, you know, that's not a real sentiment. Like, you can't, you can't <laughs> feel that way. You have to be serious. We have to be serious. So, um, yeah, that's like, this is sort of the best way I could think to explain the dynamic of the upcoming Sag season. And the, in the most, the most condensed application of it begins on Wednesday of next week. So November 22nd. So right, just in time for Thanksgiving. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. So it's sort of like the sun moves in to Sag on Wednesday, immediately square Saturn. Um, And then two days later, Mars moves into Sagittarius and immediately squares Saturn. So so it is one of these things where like the tension is sort of front loaded in the season. So they're going to square Saturn immediately and then they'll push past the the direct square and they'll have a little bit more freedom. But the sign-based square is going to be in place for the whole season. So we're never really fully get away from the oppression of Saturn. And then we get all these other sort of obstacles later in the season, like Mercury retrograding, Mars and Mercury conjoined during the retrograde to square Neptune. So it's like all of this sort of, sort of chaos that we're, um, we're hurtling toward. Um, But yeah, so it's not the best news for next week. Um, and I, there's a lot I want to say about it, but I just wanted to kind of like open with a description that could kind of, that we can kind of keep coming back to like mean uncle or jolly, nice uncle has been replaced with mean uncle. <laughs> <laughs> curmudgeon. curmudgeon Yeah. Yeah. Curmudgeon uncle. <clears throat> so yeah. Um, it was funny because like my mom hates astrology like so much and like is very disturbed by the fact that I am an astrologer and um, she, but oftentimes she'll say things that are so hilariously on point to the astrology of the moment. And I'm like, Oh fuck. I wish I could explain to you why this is (laughs) such a good, like perfect astrological manifestation but yeah, yesterday she, or not yesterday, a couple of days ago, she was like, you know what, like, what, what, what are you feeling about Thanksgiving? And I was like, I've, I'm feeling nothing about Thanksgiving. I have no, like, no preference for Thanksgiving. And she's like, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I think that's, I think that's right, mom. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. And it, and it's weird because she's not normally like that. Normally she like cooks like a huge feast and like our family is very food oriented and like goes all out for the holidays. I was like, oh, she's tapping into the moment. She may hate <laughs> astrology, but 
but she's having a very astrological moment and uh, perfectly encapsulating what's coming. Yeah, I'm, I don't even, I'm not planning anything this year in terms of food. Usually I like to bake a couple, like bake and cook a couple things that are traditional. And I actually really like Thanksgiving's vibe. Yeah. Uh, and because I have uh, like my food allergies, I have to make everything from scratch. Um, so it's not even like I can just phone it in. So this year I'm just like, we're not even going to pretend. We're not even going <sighs> to, we're not even going to try. <laughs> We're for sure going to eat potatoes because it is this family's favorite food. And maybe we'll make them fancier, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we'll just be eating our normal potatoes, <laughs> which are good and fine. And it'll be great. Yeah, right. So, so yeah. So, I want to, so I want to use this dynamic that's happening to kind of, start a conversation about um about mars and i know we've been talking about mars a lot i'm a little bit mars obsessed right now for more reasons than one um but i am super fascinated by the mars synodic cycle with the sun and i think it's a really important astrological cycle because kind of Mars in a lot of way represents not just conflict, not just aggression, but our ability to do almost anything in the world, right? He kind of represents our young energy, like um, the energy that we put forth to meet a challenge, to um, sort of meet our goals all the the you know a a lot of our forward momentum in the world just generally comes from mars um and i have found that mars's cycle is a cycle that is really useful to work with directly, you know, to try to sort of like think of it as chunks of time. Like every approximately every two years, Mars has this conjunction of this with the sun that marks a new cycle. And this is a chunk of time that we can work with to sort of try to push our goals into the into the world. Um, And we talked about this a lot in the last um the last episode but on friday so two days ago um friday the 17th mars began his new cycle and we talked a lot about why that was a special cycle because uh why this is a special cycle that he's coming into because the renewal point the the mars sun conjunction was in scorpio which is the sign that um mars rules However, the conjunction occurred at the very late degrees of Scorpio. So I think it was about 25 degrees, which means in just a few days, Mars is going to trail the sun into Sagittarius. So two things are sort of happening. Mars and the sun are holding close together, 
which means Mars is going to be under the beams of the sun for an elongated period of time. And whenever Mars is under the beams, we tend to have sort of low energy because you can't see Mars in the sky. He's forced to slow down so that he can enter into the light of the sun to be purified. And so we've been through the center of the sun, but we're still under the beams and we're still experiencing the the purification process, right? So we can see and feel all around us this sort of like low energy, this like, uh, this feeling of like everything is just a little bit out of our reach, you know, um, whether it's just feeling sick, feeling like things are slowing down. Um, yeah, there's just this lull, you know, like a test, for example, is a, you're a Scorpio rising. So Scorpio and Mars rule your body and you're a little sick, right? Not yeah. terribly sick, but you're just sort of like, <laughs> yeah, pretty mad. And, and I think that the day I felt the worst was the day you told me that it like con- all those things hit together. <clears throat> right. So, so that's like the first kind of practical signification of, of Mars being under the beams, uh, under the beams of the sun. But the more conceptual sort of question that I'm interested in is what does it mean that the very first sort of chapter of this Mars, new Mars cycle is a square to Saturn. So the first thing Mars going to do, like the first significant move in the sky, is he's going to move from Scorpio into Sagittarius. And the second he moves into Sagittarius, he's going to initiate a square with Mars, or a square with Saturn. And the Mars-Saturn square just tends to be one of the more dreadful astrological configurations. <laughs> like it's not, it's not the most explosive. It's not the most um, deadly. It's not like, you know, Mars interacting with the outer planets, which can just be totally out of control. Um, but it is like stuck, frustrated, dreadful energy <laughs> mm-hmm. where it just feels like you can't move forward. It's like uh, trying to drive with the parking brake on basically. Right. So we have this odd dynamic happening where it's like Sag is moving into Sagittarius, Mars is moving into Sagittarius And that should be, if it weren't for Saturn there, the grumpy uncle blocking that ingress, that should be a really exciting transit, right? Because that's Mars jumping into optimistic, hopeful, adventuresome energy, right? So it makes sense as the sort of first chapter of the the new Mars cycle, it's like, I just, I just got my new plans. I just got renewed. I am, I'm like a brand new Mars. I'm excited to start a new tier cycle. We're going to, we're going to jump into Sagittarius. And the first thing we're going to try to figure out is 
what does this mean? What action can I take that will enrich my life? Um, I feel optimistic. I'm feeling excited. These are all Sagittarius keywords. But upon that ingress, all of that optimism is just smack like it, it is running into Saturn almost like you're running into a wall, mm-hmm. you know? So what that tells me is that our plans or what we think our plans are for Mars for the next two years, they either, um, they're going to go, the first act is going to be this process of questioning. So Saturn is going to say, no, try again. What, like these plans aren't good enough. Make better ones, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that it's not ideal, like the experience of it is often really unpleasant (laughs) and that not everyone is going to be able to take advantage of this. But to me, it actually sounds like a good thing, like a good beginning Because you've mentioned that this is a very strong year, like two-year cycle for Mars. Like it's Mars in a very comfortable place, so it has a lot of potential. And so in Saturn, um, at least the way that it's been described to me, makes things real. Right? Like Saturn forces you to pay attention to details. Um, It's, you know, it's like a really hard kind of sharp energy. But it's also the kind of energy that makes you, you know, really bring things to the ground and be grounded about them and... Um, be detail-oriented and be concise and be specific. And so for Mars to be starting this cycle there with Saturn to me sounds like very po- very positive. <laughs> Even though it might be kind of hard to to nail everything down, it seems like in the um, in relationship to the entire thing, um, like it's a very, very good place to start by saying, what do you really want to do? How is that actually going to work? Um, and then right. kind of getting through all of the like potential holes, right? The holes in the plan right at the beginning. Yeah. That's a very optimistic spin, Tess. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I was not thinking about it that way. I was like, oh, this sucks, man. I don't, I don't like this at all. Um, <laughs> but you're right. You're right. And I have said that before and I, that's a good thing to talk about right now. So one of the functions of of Saturn is to be sort of like the judge. He's basically supposed to confirm or deny like applications, basically. <laughs> like you can imagine like Mars jumping into Sagittarius and being like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to um, go on this adventure for this purpose to achieve these ends. And then Saturn gets the paperwork and he's like, yeah, mm, like <laughs> your map is a little bit off. Like this road is blocked. Like you can't actually pass through this, mm-hmm. um, through this pass. Like there was a landslide a few weeks ago. So that's a no. And um, like, what are these goals? Like, why do you want to do this? Is this really going to make you happy? Like, uh, you know, that's kind of fucked up. You should probably, you know, revise that. And so, basically Saturn is going to say like, yes, these are good goals. No, these are bad goals. And yes, this is a good plan or no, this is a bad plan. (laughs) Um, And I think it's worth mentioning that both of these 
um, planets are going to be squaring from the signs of Jupiter. So Mars in Sagittarius is the young sign of Jupiter and Saturn in Pisces is the yin sign of Jupiter. So Mars is going to be more interested in sort of uh, like Sagittarian themes, which are sort of like the individual quest, um, Mm -hmm. sort of what do I want? What do, what, what is meaningful to me? Um, Whereas Saturn from the seat of Pisces is going to be more interested in the collective and how is this affecting everybody in the long term? Um, so these are both, we're, we're dealing the season with Jupiterian qualities of, of meaning, of, um, wisdom, of expansion and trying to bless our lives and try to make something better. But there's disagreement from the yang aspect and the yin aspect about what, what's the best path forward essentially. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, it's kind of, it's interesting. I usually don't look at our own life intuitively, you know, cause I just don't, it doesn't make a difference to me. It's like, we'll get there when we get there either way. Um, and it's yeah. just to get attached to ideas or to not understand how things are going to happen. So it's just, for me, it's not something I, I like to do. But sometimes, like during our meditation on Friday, it'll just kind mm-hmm. of come in because we were all, you know, in that space where we were looking to the next two years. So I got just like flashes right. of everybody where everybody was going to like land. And it was... Wait, the- and sorry, wait, really quick. Mm-hmm. I just want to say the meditation we did on Friday was for the the Mars, the new oh, Mars cycle. Right. So, people so, have that context. So it was related to this. And um, it looked like... Uh, overwhelmingly positive you know like everybody who was present it did look like things were going to get a lot you know significantly better and for us too but in no specific terms and with no real way forward i was like i don't like i just have no idea how any of this is going to happen and so at this point i'm just kind of like well i'm pretty sure it'll just make sense when it makes sense um in an attempt to just sort of skip over this like conflicting ideas window of time and it might just be like the presence of the exhaustion too and that surrender to just being like well i'm not gonna figure this out (laughs) i do feel you feel the sense of like i should be doing something i should be getting more done i should be having more focus and gathering the tools to get these things done. like i do have that sense also but then the other sense is like it's not gonna it's just not gonna come together right now and i'm not expecting it until after December ends like sometime mid January is what I'm thinking. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Um, no, yeah, it totally makes sense. I'm seeing this almost this whole Sagittarius season as like, and if if intuitively and astrologically it just looks like a big obstacle to get through, mm-hmm. but that I feel like is not the that can't be the best way of framing it, right? We can't just be like this whole period of time as an obstacle and just fucking do nothing and wait. I mean, maybe maybe that's okay. But I'm trying to think of what the most useful time 
or the, the most useful way to use this time if if it's not going to be a time when we can actually build what we want or do what we want. Um, and I think because it's Sagittarius and it's Mars transiting through Sagittarius, it's maybe just like trying to look at uh, what is meaningful to you in your life and what you want to happen and just getting clear on clear on what that is like what is like if you can't take all the optimism and um if you can't take advantage of the optimism and the spontaneity of the season then what is underneath optimism and spontaneity that you can sink into like hope, I guess. Um, hope would be the driving motivation of optimism and sponta- spontaneity, I think. So it's like, what are you hoping for? And, um, and why? Um, and getting like really clear on that so that when, when we clear the season and we get into Capricorn and, eventually mid January, the sun and Mars will both be in Capricorn and will be sort of free of the direct blocking energy from Saturn. Uh, we'll be like clear on what, what it is we want to go after. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, my questions are not pr- probably for everybody. Um. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I do think that that's basic, you know, like, yeah, like really kind of parsing through what you want and why and what are you doing and why. Um, And my, my recommendation with that is always to try to boil it down to the simplest parts, because a lot of times what we think we want from the world um is in, is based on an assumption that it will give us something else. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, I need to get this kind of job. I need to move to this kind of place. I need to find this kind of community. And you know, there's always these different things. And there's always, and because we think that oh, that will make us feel happy. That will make us feel safe. That will make us secure. That will make us feel. You know, it's a lot of times it's like that. So um, instead of uh, kind of looking at, like, look at the small things first and then decide if those small things are actually going to fit into the big things. Um, so like one example of this is, uh, like a really common, I think, example of this is when you think that you want, like, some kind of, like, either really big career or really big, um, like promotion or something like yeah that. like some something like that but then you know really you don't like to spend that many hours a day working and you like to spend a lot of time at home and you're not actually wanting to have to spend 80 hours a week you know working for something and then you know you get there you, you know like and it just ends up being like the experience of it is very very different than what you are imagining or the journey to getting there is very very different than what you were imagining um or you know you you kind of think about it and you decide no that is worth that for me this is something that 
I can, that I would enjoy working on that many hours and that I would feel really good about working that many hours toward this goal. So I guess that's what I mean is think about the quality of the journey of wherever you're getting to right. it in very realistic terms because there is no um, simple, you know, entirely <laughs> enjoyable course of action that we'll take. Um, so what is what, what kind of journey are you looking for as well as what are the end goals you're looking for? Um, I feel like that's a, actually a perfect distillation of like – it's a perfect way of describing a Sagittarius planning session, right? Because Sagittarius doesn't really want to plan anything. Um, they want to just jump into whatever it is and make it happen. Um, Sagittarius is one of the most spontaneous signs of the Zodiac. But what you're saying is this, this season we're looking, we're being forced to plan because Saturn isn't involved and he's saying, no, you can't just jump in. You have to make a plan. So planning for the quality of the journey, (laughs) that is, that's everyone's job this season. (laughs) Like, what do you want to do in the next two years? And are you going to actually enjoy the process of doing that? Right. And is the process at the end going to be, you know, equal to what you're imagining the end goal will be? Um, Or is it just going to feel kind of like, you know, are you going to stop halfway through because you'll realize that it is not indeed. Right. Well, and that makes a lot of sense too, because Saturn is in Pisces and Pisces is sort of like... a big signification of Pisces is dreams. Sort of like, what are our dreams? What are our collective dreams? What are our individual dreams? It's like this dreamy space. Um, And with Saturn there, that is kind of, it's already bringing this theme of like, how do we make our dreams real, right? Saturn is going to try to, say, okay, what, what's the content of this area? Oh, like dreams. Okay. Well, none of the shit is real. So how do we make it real? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so Saturn is already has that orientation. So he's now engaging with this planet. That's all about taking action, um, about, confrontation, conflict, moving into the world aggressively. Um, and, you know, Saturn is is already bringing with him into this square, this orientation of like, how do we, how do we shift our dreams out of just a dream landscape and into, into reality? And what is that actually going to look like? Yeah, Um, because it's, you know, dreams are very romantic, right? But romantic is specifically unrealistic, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's like by definition, it is not reality. (laughs) And so, um, you know, trying to figure out like, oh, what is what is like a pleasurable and enjoyable and fulfilling and satiating 
reality. Right. Right. And then we have, you know, another sort of planetary um, configuration in the sky right now that we can look at to help us piece that together, right? Which is um, Venus, right? Mm -hmm. So Venus represents our desires, um, the way that we want to relate to each other, our relationships, the things that we want. So oftentimes Venus, you know, is sort of like the counterpart to Mars in the sense that she is pointing to or representing the things that Mars is taking action to get, right? Um, And so Venus is currently in Libra in her, one of her strongest signs. So Libra being a sign that she, um, she rules and has a lot of authority over. Um, but she's hurtling toward the South node. Um, and the South node is K2. So this is a point in the sky where the eclipses occur and K2 represents letting go and release. Um, so with K2 in Libra, we know that there's something essential about the nature of Venus that has to be released or let go of. Um, so this is, this is like an ongoing thing for as long as K2 is in Libra, which is like about 18 months. But since Venus is transiting through the sign, there's like a spotlight on it. So it's a moment to kind of think about what do we desire? What do we want? How do we want our relationships to be seen? Um, How do we want, especially in Libra, how do we want society to view us? Um, Something about that needs to get altered or surrendered. And so that to me kind of feels like it could be informative Mm -hmm. um, to the process of uh, this question about, yeah, what is the quality of the journey is, is what we think we want. Are we really going to enjoy the process of getting in? Is it really going to give us what we, what we want? Mm -hmm. Well, in so much of um, like a lot of times our dreams and our goals are, you know, involve other people, you know, they are going to be about our families, about, you know, romantic partners, about business partners, about um, clients or patrons, or, you know, it's just, we're, we're very interconnected. And this is um, something I've just been thinking a lot lately, because I'm writing a course where we're going to, like, look at who we are in our world based on, like, a narrative idea, like, like almost writing ourselves as a character. But the biggest obstacle or one of the biggest obstacles to that is that you cannot control other people. And so other people are going to be in your narrative and in your story, but you cannot determine like who they are, what they will do, how they're going to treat you, how they're going to feel about you, Um, you know, any of these things. And so it's this really difficult 
um, part of planning, right? You can't you can't plan what other people are going to do or how they're going to feel, um, but you also can't plan without the presence of <laughs> other people. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. So I think it's it's an interesting. I don't know. It's just a really really interesting um, kind of process that I think can just be like enjoyable if, for nothing other than just the fascination of it. But uh, there's something about her moving into K2, and we've talked about this before, which is why I sound so much more solid on my astrology this time than I ever did. <laughs> Well, we <laughs> talked about this at length in, yeah. the, in the episode that got, like, sort of, um, the, the audio got corrupted. So it's yeah. sort of like, maybe we'll just hit some of the points of, I don't think we can recreate oh, yeah. the conversation. We can't, but we'll hit some of the points. But I feel like I'm saying very confidently with Venus moving into K2, which is yeah. not... <laughs> This is because of you, because we've already talked about it. Um, but there's something about uh, like a dissolution, right? Like a major dissolution of um, that Venusian with Libra quality. And you described to me that Libra was like the host of a party, mm-hmm. right? She's making everything. It's like very social, like extremely social, trying to measure everything, trying to make everything fair and balanced and good. And um, and Venus is that, you know, quality of all good things that we want, moving into a position of complete dissolution. Yeah, um. <laughs> of surrender, of like having to absolutely let go of one of her essential qualities, basically, yeah. Which is- or, or something about that essential quality being less useful to this moment. Mm. Um. So like this sort of hostess keep like let's um make sure everybody is happy make sure all like um the balance between like the social the social balance is maintained Mm -hmm. um something about that quality is being uh it's not useful or as useful as it usually is for this moment we're being asked to let go of some quality in that space right and i just i just keep thinking like this is feels like we've talked about it a lot over the last four years whether in like cultural terms or astrological terms but this idea that our social structure is shifting and changing Um, Mm -hmm. And we are looking to redefine how we're going to relate to people and to our communities. Um, And so to me, again, this seems like a very optimistic moment (laughs) to do so at the beginning of this Mars cycle. And, you know, being having pressure to plan a little bit, uh, starting to really let go of a lot of the kind of societal expectations and desires that we have or have had. And really, you know, decide, is this really what I want? Is this really what I want to look, what, want it to look like? Um, what are, what would I ideally like it to look like? I think it's a really good question to ask, even if it feels kind of unrealistic, what would be the ideal of this? Um, even if it's something that we've never seen before, or I have no idea how it's going to happen. Like that space actually, to me, feels like a really good place for like dreaming um right because it's a space where you can't really like i said you can't control people anyway 
So it's not like you can have solid plans around them, then, you know, it's totally fine to be like, yeah, I want to have really positive connections and I want to feel like I can be myself, like I can, you know, engage with people who are going to have these kind of conversations or kind of be supportive in these specific ways and who I can support in these specific ways, you know, I think it's a really good time to start imagining that kind of thing. So you think it's, it's, it's good to try to imagine how you will interact with, with others in your life when you can't control that aspect at all? (laughs) Well, I think it's nice because it, it helps you, I mean, again, you're not going to be able to get this from everything, but you are going to be able to shift what you do and how you're thinking mm-hmm. about people. And that um, that can go a really long way, you know, right. um, because most people are, you know, friendly and receptive and also looking for connection um and not, it's not going to be everybody and that's fine but if you are willing to say like yeah i'm looking for this i want to have these kind of connections so i'm going to be <laughs> the initiator <laughs> of the potential right. kind of connections um you know and you can think of it a little bit like casting a line you know it's like not everyone's going to bite not everyone's going to be a great match but the worst thing that's going to happen is that you were friendly to somebody or that you were right you know, had another interesting conversation with somebody or you learn something about yourself or you learn something about somebody else and it's okay to be awkward and it's okay to say uh, silly things and embarrassing things <laughs> because it is just right. going to be inevitable in conversations. Um, but it's actually, I think it's easier to move into conversations if you have um, clarity about how you want to be in the world yeah Um, and then and also about you know how you feel about people and how you want to interact with people uh right yeah i think so jeffrey my husband is i think a great example of this (laughs) because um he's just very unusually friendly Mm-hmm. So wherever we go, he makes friends. Like, we go to the DMV, he's, like, laughing hysterically with the guy behind the counter. Yeah. Um, he just flew to uh, Seattle for a work trip, and he talked to somebody on the plane for three hours, like, the entire time they chatted, and he knows everything about this guy now. Um, and this is just how he is. And um, and I don't think for him, and, and, I, and actually, I know that it was it's somewhat intentional for him because at one point he decided, because you know, Jeffrey, he can be a little harsh. Well, <laughs> yeah. on the other side of the spectrum, yeah. Side, he can be really direct and he's got a very, he can have a very severe tone. Um, and when he was younger, that was much more severe. And he made like a conscious choice that he didn't want to interact with people like that. Like that was a shift. For him, yeah. Um, it doesn't. Have I feel to like it's so. Much, yeah, I feel like it's so much easier though with like strangers, you know, like people that you meet out in the world, and you're sort of like not. You don't have an. You know, you're not engaging with them regularly in your life. Whereas, sort of this 
this challenge of wanting your relationships to look a certain way, but not being able to control what the other person does. And if it's your spouse or your sister or your brother or, you know, your business partner or whatever, that's like such a much bigger question of how to manage that disparity than sort of like people you meet at the grocery store or on the plane or, or whatever, you know, because there's just so many more stakes involved. <laughs> there's a lot more stakes. I mean, it's such a big conversation that I'm like, oh, I could launch into yeah. <laughs> right now I don't think I should necessarily for this episode yeah. but you know it, you we have a lot of difficulty with intimacy in our culture I think because we are it's very likely that during our upbringing we were taught to not like be the way that we feel to not express the way that we feel um and to not set and to not say no and to not set boundaries and to not trust ourselves about what we want um and that you know it's a very like people pleasing culture Mm -hmm. um which you know makes it kind of like you said great with strangers right because everybody's gonna be pretty yeah and like oh we should be friendly and you know it's kind of like there's like opening to having conversations with people but then when you're going to have intimate um relationships it's a lot harder because you're going to be grappling with yourself through a lot of it um right and so and 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 it's really easy to project that grappling onto the other person like well they did this and they said this and they made me feel this um but and then you're stuck going like well I mean, I guess we fall into probably like not two, but we can just pretend like there's two categories. Either people that have no self-reflection, right? So they just think that the entire world is not doing what they should be doing, right? Yeah. Clearly. Or, you know, the self-reflecting where we are like, should I have said that? Should I have done something differently? Was I the cause of this problem? Um, am I asking for too much? Am I, you know, what is the issue? Like, so we all, you know, have to go through, and most of us are going to fall support the middle. Like, sometimes we're going to be like, I don't know what their problem was. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes we're going to be like, I don't know what I should have done differently. And then sometimes we'll fall into, oh, I'm the worst and I shouldn't have, I should never do anything ever again, you know, like the self deprecating situation. Right. So, yeah. So basically, if you can get to the point where you are, you know, managing yourself, which is really hard. I don't want to make it sound like it's easy. It takes so much work because it takes years and years of like unwinding trauma and belief systems and and all this other stuff. Like it's not it's not a simple thing to do, and it's also not a, a something that you finish. You know, it's something that you're always going to return back to. Um, that. I think is how you do the intimate relationships is like you have one the courage to to, I know it's so hard it's like I don't even want to say (laughs) no one's gonna want to hear but you have the courage to to really look at yourself yeah that's what it is to really be like this is what I actually want why do I feel like I can't have that um how do I actually ask for what I want in a way that isn't reactive or deserving? Because a lot of times that's 
you know, we feel like, oh, well, I want this, I deserve it, so I should ask in that way. And it's like, no, that's not how other, that's not how you can, that's not a positive, harmonious interaction with another person. So how can I actually ask? Right. Um, and then in the inevitable possibility that um, it's not going to go that way, you know, we're not going to get what we want. We're not going to have positive interaction. How do we then manage that reaction and manage that process within ourselves? Um yeah. So you're saying almost like it's like not it's not about trying so the control aspect is like we can't control how other people are going to respond to our assertions of needs and desires, basically. Mm-hmm. Like we we have the story of what we want. Mars, right? Like Mars and Venus together, right? And I'm I'm really interested in this conversation as like a reflection of Mars and Venus in the sky, right? Because Venus needs desire, desires, enjoyment, uh, relationship with others, like everything that we want and love in the world. Mars, how do we get those things? Mm-hmm. How do we assert ourselves? Yeah. What, how do we behave when conflict arises? Yeah. In, uh, in the pursuit of what we want, yeah. you know? And so what I'm hearing you saying is like, we have to have the courage, Mars, <laughs> uh, the bravery, Mars, to, uh, to, state what we want to go after it um whether it's on our own or in relationship with others and accept that we can't control how other people are going to react to that so we can't not only can we not not only do we have to accept that we can't control we have to actually try not to control it like don't behave in a way where it's like, I am going to try to like scoot around what I really want to try to just manipulate or force the other person Mm -hmm. to do what I, what I want, you know, instead of just, instead of just taking the action in a more direct path, Um, which is something that, you know, we do all the time. I do all the time in small, in large ways, you know, like, instead of saying what I want, I'm just going to try to like do all the things that will get the other person to want the same thing. <laughs> right. I mean, and we're all, again, I think that we're culturally trained to do this. Um, Cause we, like, it's just, I mean, it's almost like a corporate, the corporate world, I think is maybe one of the best and most over- overt examples of this. Right. It's like, yeah, this, these are the things that you can say that mean this. Yeah. You can't say what you're thinking or what you mean, but you can say, you know, these really kind of interesting roundabout ways. Yeah. Hurting yourself. It's so interesting because, okay, so I've been thinking about this a lot, right? (laughs) Um, And this is such a fucking astrology nerd bullshit right now, but I'm just going to go into it because it is an astrology podcast. But um, Mars and Venus we're supposed to have a conjunction in June. Right. Um, or not supposed to, that's the wrong way of saying it. They almost had a conjunction in June. Um, they were co-present in Leo 
for almost an entire month. They were sort of a few degrees away from each other, so almost conjoined, but never actually made that final conjunction. Um, and the conjunction between two planets always means that a new cycle is starting between those two planets. So in the same way that Mars has a cycle with the sun, that's what we've been discussing, Mars has a cycle with Venus. You know, Mars has a cycle with Neptune. There's every every planet, Terry Pear, has its own cycle. Mm-hmm. So there was a sense in June that with Mars and Venus so close together, we were getting close to uh, starting something we really want. Um, Again, Mars and Venus have so much to do with our desires. So it's like we were close to accessing something we really wanted. We're close to starting something we really wanted. We were like, we were on the path. But then there was this misconnection, right? Mars was a little bit um, ahead of Venus. Venus should have caught up to him and made the conjunction, but she stationed retrograde and started moving backwards. And so it was this sort of missed connection energy, like something that was supposed to come together and didn't. And you and I have talked about this, about how that kind of, in a way it seemed to represent like we weren't quite ready (laughs) for, for that to happen. Like we weren't quite ready for... Uh, that desire fulfillment moment, like we hadn't worked out the proper, we, we hadn't worked out what we really want. We hadn't like, um, or, or we think we did, but it was wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then Venus retrograded and began a new cycle. Mars just began a new cycle and they won't actually conjoin until February, February 21st, 23rd, I think. And um, we're at this moment now where it's like both Mars is in still for a few more days in Scorpio, which is a sign that he rules and is strongest in. And then we have Venus in Libra in the sign she rules and is strongest in. And so what are these two planets learning that sort of they have to come, they have like that they have to, there's something that they have to learn and understand before they can come together and generate that desire fulfillment moment in February. And, um, you know, listening to you talk about relationships and sort of like also talking about um, both relationships and like, you know, the way our, our desires, our dreams don't always line up with how they, how they're actually going to feel like Mm -hmm. in the world when we're doing them. Um, It's making me think about, you know, Venus in Libra hurtling toward the South node. Um, We need to let, let go of something in the way that we're, we're operating in the Venusian realm of our life. And I think this is part of that lesson that we have to learn before Mars and Venus can come together. And what I'm hearing from you is lining up a lot with the significations of Libra because it's like letting go of the shallow aspect of people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Like Libra is all about balancing everybody's needs, keeping everybody happy, 
keeping all um, of the different components of society in this sort of like stable, um, like this stable equilibrium, right? And a lot of the way that can actually just manifest in practicality is like shallow people pleasing, not ups- making sure no, no one ever gets upset, you know? And that doesn't, oftentimes that doesn't actually um, do us any good. Mm-hmm. Like it's the wrong, like avoiding people getting upset isn't actually maintaining a balance or a real balance. It's just maintaining like uh, the the status quo, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of the last four years or so has been a lot about the disintegration of the status quo um, and then trying to figure out how to operate within <laughs> this, you know, emerging quote, right. maybe, of some kind. <laughs> it's almost sort of like, you know, Libra is sort of the scales, right? Um, that's that's the represent. That's a symbol. It's the scales. So we think of it as the scales of justice, or um, you know, Libra is trying to keep them even. Um, and I think with the South Node blowing through Libra, which which happens about every eighteen years, so it's not like it, you know, is brand new. Like it's never happened before. But it almost is like the point at which the scales have to be recalibrated, right? So the scales are not weighing things properly anymore. Like we have to, whatever whatever equilibrium we've settled into is based on faulty scales. So we have to go through this process of just like draining out the whole thing, <laughs> like letting everybody get upset about it um, and rebuilding it, like re recalibrating Mm -hmm. yeah it'll be interesting i'm really kind of interested to see how that happens um like collectively uh because i do think that it probably will be forced to at some point um but personally the heart requires us to do a lot more right (laughs) consideration i think it's hard and it's occurring you know, I want to look at actually the chart because the actual conjunction of Venus to the South Node is probably very close to the ingress of Saturn, or excuse me, of Mars into Sagittarius. So that mm-hmm. what we were talking about before of like, um, how is the journey going to feel? Like what what about our planning? Like what about our plans or dreams is not like lining up with reality? Um, and okay. So that's going to occur. Mars is going to move into Sagittarius on Friday and then Venus is going to conjoin the South node the following Wednesday. Um, so it's happening very close together, those two energies. So it's like, it does feel like there could be sort of like this connection of like Saturn is going to say to Mars, 
what you think you want, you don't really want, and your plan of getting there sucks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then a few days later, Venus is going to be like, I can't keep this balance anymore. The scales are just fucking broken. So, you know, like an everything. It might be like an additional moment of clarity, right? Where you, yeah. if, if you try to cling on to whatever's not working through Saturn, you're definitely going to lose it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With Venus and K2, yeah. So I feel like you have a lot of moments like that that are very, um, like, visible, like, in the world when you have young kids. Like, I feel like a lot of these moments, like, happen internally when you're not, when you don't. But then when you have kids, it just, it's like, you know, there's just some kind of something that reaches a point of such chaos and noise that you're like, that's it. We're done with this thing that I've been trying to make work. This is the moment. Yeah. Out. <laughs> yeah. Well, kids just r respond so alike. They're so raw in their response to all of the energy. You know, they don't try to people please or hold anything in, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think I just, like, I'm so, I personally feel very disappointed by already i'm pre-disappointed by december <laughs> <laughs> because i'm just expecting that a lot of things that i have like desperately wanted since june <laughs> hello astrology um you know are gonna take like a little that are I'm still not there yet you know we're still mm -hmm. like you know two to three months away and I think that's part of why I'm so obsessed with this Mars Venus cycle right now, because I'm like, it's lining up so exactly for me that I'm like, it must be, this must be tracking for other people as well in some way, you know, it's always going to be more dramatic for certain people than others, just depending upon where it's hitting your chart. But, um, but yeah, I'm very curious about the new year. I'm very curious about February because it just looks like a lot of the person, our personal agency around our desires, which are really directly linked to Mars and Venus might be more accessible next year than they have been in several years. Yeah. And that's what I you've seen. Oh, I've seen it so many from so many different angles, like different conversations, different questions from different people, different astrological meditations we've done. I just keep seeing like, okay, next year is the year that a lot of things land. Like a lot of things we've yeah. done or finally have an opportunity to land. Yeah, I, it almost feels like December, like the Saturn Mars square is the final boss battle. <laughs> like of the video I'm, game you know can i just tell you that i feel like almost every winter since 20 <sighs> starting with maybe 2021 has felt that way like surely this is it this must be the end this yeah. must be, <laughs> we must be veering back toward some kind of <laughs> something like we had before you know like and it hasn't it just kept it just continually happening well it's interesting because i feel like you know okay starting in 2019 2019 2020 2021 2023 uh two there was it wasn't like mars and venus stopped transiting right like they were doing their thing but 
we had such disruptive outer planet conjunct like uh uh configurations so the (laughs) first the saturn pluto uh conjunction that kind of catapulted the entire pandemic into existence and then the saturn uranus square that just sort of i feel like it just generated this background chaos and energy that wouldn't let us sort of stabilize into any clear structure um they kind of it's like they just kind of dominated the skies where it was like everything got sublimated to those energies mm-hmm. everything got sublimated to saturn and and pluto and then everything got sublimated to uranus and saturn and so it's like we just it was like our personal agency the personal planets like typically we would consider the personal planets to be um like Mercury, Venus, and Mars, because they have more to do with like our thought process, our desires, our actions in the world, like us as personal individuals. Whereas once you start to get to Jupiter and Saturn, you're inherently dealing more with the collective. You're inherently dealing more with society. It's like you in the world. Um, And then the world more broadly. And then the outer planets, you know, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto are just sort of the uncontrollable energies that are far outside of ourselves. They, they impact us, but they don't, they don't necessarily represent us, you know? Um, but it just felt like that 2019 to 2022 window, it was like, it was hard for the personal planets to generate enough power or agency to make anything happen in the world when these bigger energies were just sort of like dominating the collective and now it felt like 2022 we should have broken or sorry 2023 this current year we should have broken out of that but we didn't it was like mars and venus needed to start their new cycles first you know yeah i i think i said at the beginning of the year when we did our joint you know year ahead reading that I was like, I just, I feel like at some point during this year, we have to process and reflect on the last three. And there's going to be these like several windows of time that I saw, like that I think there was one maybe in June or July. And then one, uh, I don't know, maybe there was only two. And then one like in this season, like November, December, where I was like, we are whatever there's something that's like going to prevent us from moving forward if we don't look back and resolve a little bit of this within ourselves. Mm. And maybe that could be um, like trauma because there were plenty of plenty of opportunities to engage with some trauma over the last three years. Um, maybe it could have been like a desire that went unfulfilled or a plan that we had before everything happened that we've been sort of hanging on to and maybe the time has passed for. Um, but yeah, it does seem like there's got to be a moment of reconciliation of some kind. Yeah. Well, if we're talking about what needs to be reconciled with Venus, you know, it's it's interesting that this Venus South Node conjunction is happening in, in Venus's sign, um, you know, in Libra for the first time in 18 years, because it's almost like this signal that 
we have to make sure that what we're desiring in the world isn't just something that we think other people will make other people happy, you know? Um, and then the other thing that we're going to have to reconcile with is sort of like, I feel like Libra in many ways represents like elite culture or um, mm -hmm. sort of like uh, socialites, people who are very visible in the world, politicians, um, actors, like uh, Libra is kind of like high society, you know? Um, and Venus as like the, the mistress of all the socialites is sort of like in charge of, um, you know, she almost like moderates our access to that world, you know, like, and, you know, when we make art, which is a Venusian, you know, quality, uh, or a Venusian activity, we want it to be accepted and viewed by, you know, the upper echelon of, of society, because that they can spread it out in the world or any of our work, you know, that like the gatekeepers, like the, that's a, that is part of uh, the culture that I, I think is like pretty solidly ruled by Libra. And so another thing I think we have to reconcile with the South Node moving through Libra as it represents like our, as it pertains to our desires in, in the world is like letting go of doing things because we think it will gain us eminence or recognition by the quote unquote people who matter, mm -hmm. you know, like that is part of this whole, that's part of the piece of the recalibration, right? Like recalibrating our, our goals and desires so that we're not, uh, we're not doing them for the wrong reasons. We're not doing them to make other people happy and we're not doing them to, um, to, like be accepted in some whatever our idea of like uh the highest social acceptance is does mm -hmm. that make sense yeah yeah it's a i'm kind i mean i've been excited about next year i think since the beginning of this year <laughs> but the, the closer we get to it even though i know december is not going to be the most lovely of time um i'm still pretty excited about about the coming years. I just think it's going to be really uh, I think it's going to feel really nice. I think it's like the first thing. I think we're going to feel like we have a lot more autonomy and a lot more um, opportunity individually. Like, oh, we're going to be able to make things happen. Like, that's going to come back. But I also think there's just going to be a lot of really interesting stuff that people are doing. Um hmm. And I'm just excited to see what that's going to be, right? Because we have all of these existing, um, I guess it's just because there are so many really solid streams in our culture. Like, these are the careers. These are the ways to make money. These are the ways to be seen. These are our, uh, this is the different ways that we have media and the different ways that you engage with media. Like, this is, you know, it's all been kind of solid. And so I'm excited to watch that break up a little bit. And what will come uh, out of it? Like that to me is really exciting. Like what is going to be the next thing? 
what's going to be the thing that our kids are doing? And they're looking at the rest of us going like, why are you guys on your phones all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because the next actual, the actual conjunction of, of Mars and Venus, like, so we, we had the misconnection in Leo in, um, in June. Um, we had, we have them now both in their own signs. Um, and then the actual conjunction or the, the like that, I'm calling it the desire fulfill, fulfilling moment. Um, but it's also could just be seen as like the moment where we're finally like, oh, this is where we're going. Like, this is where, this is the action that we're taking to pursue our desire. Um, that conjunction is happening in Aquarius. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the second conjunction of Mars and Venus in Aquarius. So two years ago, they had a conjunction in Aquarius, but that conjunction was with Saturn. So Saturn was there blocking that energy. Now Saturn has moved on from Aquarius. They're going to have a second conjunction in that sign. And what does Aquarius represent? Aquarius represents the collective, like doing things that are best for everybody, looking toward the future, trying to imagine a better future. It's it's also a Saturnian sign, but it's the optimistic future-oriented Saturnian sign. So it's sort of like looking at that as the end point feels a little bit like, okay, well, you know, Mars just gained a bunch of strength in with his like cycle reset in um in Scorpio. So we have a really strong Mars coming into this conjunction. Venus just had to let go of a bunch of people pleasing and uh you know uh, so, a social strata that she's been hanging on to for a long time that has to be totally dissolved. And then a strong Mars and sort of like weak, disoriented Venus hurdle toward a conjunction in in Aquarius. That to me looks like a lot of energy to reimagine how things should be <laughs> and how things should be best and better for for everyone. You know, um, the question is like, <laughs> how will that actually go? <laughs> What's yeah. yeah. I know it's hard because it sounds so optimistic, but a lot of times it's, you know, any kind of restructuring of the world can be not. Yeah. Pretty- and luckily, I feel like Mars and Venus, that's like with it, like we can really apply that to like our own personal desires, our own personal life. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Of course, it is going to like, it will affect the whole world. Um, and, and the danger is, right, like with a really strong Mars, that can be really violent and conflict-oriented always with Mars in the collective. Um, not necessarily, but oftentimes Mars can, like a strong Mars can go one of two ways. It can be really productive mm-hmm. for to good ends, or it can be really destructive. And so it brings this question of like, how, what is the best way to work with martial energy um, in the world because we need Mars. We can't do fucking fuck all of anything without Mars. But Mars is also has the potential to be the most violent and destructive energy in the Zodiac. So like, how can we as individuals approach our own martial energy uh, with enough 
yeah, uh, purity of orientation to to actually fulfill the the questions of Aquarius, which is how do we make this place better for everybody? You know, mm-hmm. is that a real question? <laughs> <laughs> You're the wise one. You're the one who has the actual answer. How do we Tell actually us, do I mean, well, you, so you had asked me a little bit about this. Um, and I think I wrote uh, like six terrible pages on it because I was just having so much trouble getting to the bottom of it. Just because, um, yeah. just because I think that both Jeffrey and I are extremely process oriented, right? Yeah. So really hard for us to think about the end without being very involved in considering the process and all the things that can go wrong in the process. Um, yeah. But so the big thing is that we've got a lot of cultural and emotional and mental barriers um, that make us very I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to try to really try to stay on track here but basically there's a lot of reasons that we can't do this there are a million reasons that this is hard there are a million reasons that this is not something that we're probably going to perfect and that we're always going to be you know having to work toward more and more and for some people it's going to be more natural than others and also um as always, there's a million different ways this can look. So not just the way that I'm going to look at it. Like there's going to be people that are working to help people in ways that I can't imagine or in ways that are very um, mentally and emotionally and, uh, you know, that that aren't going to be rooted in that, that are just going to be active and they're going to be present, which is great. Um, But so as I was trying to piece all this together like what do you do with this martial energy how do i describe turning it on yourself in a way that makes sense and in a way that doesn't feed into a lot of the self-destructive habits that we are taught to do you know which is sinking into self-depreciation and self-doubt um and i guess at the end of my whole process the only thing i could come up with is you need mars for courage um which i mentioned before but it's like you need mars to make you to give you the courage to really um to really be honest you know or to pursue honesty because it can be really hard to just decide i'm going to be honest with myself what am i really thinking you know it's like you have to overcome some barriers to getting there but the courage to pursue that the courage to um, think about who who am I really? You know, what do I really want to do? And what am I really interested in growing into the capacity of being? Um, you know, and that's that that is a question that requires a lot of courage because I think most of us like to just, again, this is a cultural thing, believe that we can do anything, right? We can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying we that that's not Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's not true, but there is a degree to which we have to consider, do we, 
do it's like do I really want to become an astrophysicist? Is that really like how much time and how much mental energy would that actually take me as an individual, someone who is not at all, you know, talented or oriented toward that? Like, no, that's not something that. It's reasonable to say that that's a limitation. And so when you can be honest with yourself about um, your own personal limitations, the flaws in your thinking, um, the, the ways like to start owning the ways that you react to the world and to things that happen and to things people say as your own process and not just the default or the normal or the right way to feel um that's a big one too so most so a lot of us will say this person made me feel this or this person said this so of course i reacted like this you know it's like all we we view all of our reactions to the things that are happening as like true and Hmm. normal and right like that's a really hard barrier to get over but once we can sort of you know, start to question that, be like, oh, I'm actually, you know, not in the driver's seat, but I can be in sort of like a passenger seat telling the driver like, hey, we don't need to be driving this fast. We don't need to slam into that car over there. We don't need to react this way. Um, Because it does take a lot of practice to regain, um, like, to reorient and recalibrate (laughs) the reactive state. So the first part of it is just starting to question um, and starting to look at our, our reactions, but um, I mean, it takes so much courage. It takes so much courage to think of yourself not as someone who is having, is experiencing absolute reality. I guess that's what it is. We all think that our experience of reality is absolute reality and that there are maybe some subtle variations depending on, you know, where you're born you know, what you are, <laughs> you know, culture. like the culture or like, you know, you know, who you are and how old you are and all this, you know, there's like different factors. But I think that most of us kind of default into this idea that I value the same things as everyone else. I feel the same way as everyone else. I react the same, to, you know, to things the same way that everyone else does. And it, it's an immediate uh, movement away from intimacy, because as soon as you start just you know, assuming that everyone else is on the same page as you with everything, suddenly when they are obviously not on the same page as you, you know, they do something that you can't, why would they do that? Why would they say this? Why would they, you know, then you've got this big kind of gap between, um, you know, any kind of real consideration or real presence with this other person because you've decided who they are, something's wrong with them, why aren't they like this? And this is all usually an unconscious process that we go through. And so bringing this process into consciousness um, is extremely painful. Like it's just, it's so, you just feel so much shame (laughs) and so much kind of discomfort and a lot of insecurity and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the false safety that we feel about the world as a result of um, projecting ourselves onto it. When that goes away and you kind of are experiencing like psychological vulnerability, I mean, it shouldn't be that scary, but it's it's terrifying. It feels really, really scary. So, yeah, I mean, these are all things that I'm like, yeah, with martial energy, take that and 
you know, go after your own reactions to things. Start to question, do I need to be doing this? What am I doing? Um, and Or, you know, turn it into energy to actively be physically doing things. So if it's a mental process or emotional process, try to use it to kind of, you know, pierce through our layers of um, our illusions that we all have, that we're all carrying, um, or use it to be active in the world. Like, I'm going to take this energy and use it to be active in the world. And uh, again, why it's so nice that we've got Saturn here at the beginning of the cycle, because um, when you decide to be like, I'm going to be active in the world, you'll have already done the planning <laughs> and the right. age. Um, well, it's interesting. Like, well, I like that you use the word piercing because that is a a very uh, poignant and uh, correct keyword for Mars. Like, even the the symbol of Mars, right, is like the circle with the arrow coming out, right? So the circle being sort of like all the potential energy, and then that arrow being what we're using the potential energy to specifically go after in a pointing and piercing way. So um, I I like that you use that word. Um, and I like that you, you used it in relationship to the internal process, right? Because Mars can point us, we can, we can use that, the tip <laughs> of the martial energy to get very, to pierce very specifically into, um, yeah, the comp, the complex web of our internal process. But, um, like, I just want to, I want to just sort of like, say back to you what I heard because then I feel like I can see if I understood you clearly but like I understood that your in in this perspective um courage is like the sort of core quality of Mars it's like the the part of Mars that is maybe like the purest um or or most essential building block of taking any correct action in the world. And whether that is um, related to our own mental process or related to taking action externally, courage should be the sort of base of that. And we get courage from Mars, essentially. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And then, and then I heard you talk a lot about reactivity and um, is that because our reactions are oftentimes the, the motivating force behind taking action when they shouldn't necessarily be? Like we shouldn't be taking action based on our reactions. We should be like taking action that we're choosing out of our own wellspring of courage, essentially. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you know, it's sort of like our reactions are the way that we're kind of taught to experience and taught to express a lot of what we do in the world. Um, and I think specifically when you are trying to, um, 
you know, move into like a mindset or a kind of work where you're wanting to help people or you're wanting to be, you know, in that stream of like helpfulness and community and everything, um, the reactivity is going to be like the, one of the biggest <laughs> barriers. Right. Just because it is so, you're just going to have to deal with people and people are by far our biggest uh, triggers. Right. Like, what, what so, they think, what they say, what they do, it's the thing that's going to make us the most um, ready to run away from the whole project. Um, but it, but Which is what we talked about earlier, which is like, you know, we can't, we, we often are imagining ourselves in this story, right? That Sagittarius component, like, what is it that we want? What's the story we're telling about we want? But we're not able, we're not often thinking about how other people are going to make us feel in this story and how they're going to play into it or not play into it and how we can't actually control those people. So, so right now we're like, we're in the story, we're doing the story, we're pursuing the thing we want and we're encountering all these people along the way that are pissing us off. Right. And, and, <laughs> because, that, and, and because, it, and, and because Mars is going to be strong, right. There might be um, an additional bit of energy that's going to point you at that other person. Right. <laughs> right. And so this is the reaction bit that you're talking about is like, we initiate something and hopefully the initiation of that thing is based on, um, you know, something well thought out and, and, and based on courage and um, hopefully taking into account our communities and, and how we can make things better in the world. But in spite of all those good intentions, when we go into a process and we start engaging with other people, we're going to have reactions to those people. And what I'm hearing you saying is that a lot of times those reactions are extremely unconscious because they're based on beliefs that the way we see the world is inherently the correct way to see the world and is aligned with everyone else. Yeah, But what you're saying is that that is false. There is no inherently correct way of viewing the world. And um, not everybody thinks like you. So until you can get a grip on your reactions, you can't act in a pure sort of courageous way because those reactions are going to constantly send you into these like, um, you know, uh, side quest conflicts with <laughs> non-player characters <laughs> yeah and it's like it's like the beliefs that, and again we are all taught to believe and accept a version of reality right um and then we have like sensory input and dreams and feelings that we just kind of like plug into that framework right but continue to validate it um and then that sets up expectations so then we expect the world to be a certain way. We expect people to be a certain way. And that's sort of a lot of, I mean, I think that they still exist, but you could see a lot more overt examples of that, I think, with um, our parents and grandparents, right? Like, these are the things yeah. that you do. These are the things that you say. This is what how you dress. Like, it was a much narrower, <laughs> more visible <laughs> window. Of right. And then when people don't meet those expectations, it's like, well they are the problem not my expectations are the problem they are mm -hmm. the problem and so um you know our expectations are always going to be 
not met in some capacity, all of us. And then our reactions to that is going to be the thing that is going to um, attempt to reinforce, you know, the the worldview framework that we've built yeah. up that is probably holding us back in a lot of ways. Um, and it's going to distance ourselves from actually, in, in, you know, in having intimacy and interfacing with other people in like a very raw and vulnerable way. Um, and it's also going to be the thing that's going to like put you back into your own process and either, you know, initiate some kind of like conflict fight with the world or with somebody or with yourself, right? Where you're like, I should have xyz or maybe i should be like this or you know maybe i'm not doing this and you know it's i think for a lot of us it's really easy to spiral into that internal conflict state um right yeah right and then there's the additional there's the additional issue of in our our culture like in america at least which is where we are um the influence of like Judeo Christianity is very strong. So even if you're not a Christian or, you know, mm-hmm. like we still, we, we still culture, get this uh, the culture filter, still. right? Mm-hmm. And within this Judeo Christian Western worldview, um, it is important. We're, we're taught that being good is important. Yeah. Like you have to be good. If you're not a good person, then you know you don't have you don't have any value. God doesn't love you. Like even if you don't believe in God, you know the culture won't love you. Society won't accept you. You have to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And then because Judeo Christianity is very um, a very belief based structure, you know, it's like we're taught that you have to have the right beliefs and believe in the right things to be a good person. So not only do we have the obstacle of, you know, thinking that everybody has the same worldview as us and that triggering all these like uh, conflict reactions that, that deter us from our dreams and goals and, you know, well, our uh, um, well-intended actions. We also believe that, our worldview makes us a good person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really, I mean, that's why I'm saying courage is the answer because you have to be so brave to kind of start chipping into these, you know, these these ideas that are, that prop us up and that propel us forward and that we've gotten a lot of mileage out of in our lives. You know, to be like, I don't need this anymore. It just feels like a terrible idea yeah, or that when you start doing it yeah. that it's not actually your job to force other people to think like you mm-hmm. that becomes a much more complicated process if you think that your beliefs and thinking are what defines you as good because yeah. then not only does the other person not like agree with you they're bad they're a bad person (laughs) and i actually think that this um i mean i think it's it can be very it's a very positive quality to our culture i think like i think that america largely are just it's nice how friendly we are right it's nice that we get to go to the grocery store and chat with folks and chat with our neighbors like i like that but i also think that um 
the cultural imperative to be a good person is a huge barrier for a lot of us to really kind of act that way in the world, you know, to act with um, honesty and generosity and vulnerability. And, you know, show, like I think that it's actually a really big problem because there's a lot of pressure around it um, to be good or to face some kind of punishment. And then we have all these other cultural ideas that have gotten intertwined with, you know, you're a good person if you make your bed every morning, right? Like that's that's nonsense. But a lot of yeah. that, you know, believe that about ourselves, believe that. Um, and so it's, you know, there's like that barrier. And then there's also the defensiveness, right? So anything that, that starts to question <laughs> that yeah. good in us, are we, you know, anything that says like, you're not a good person for this reason. Um, there's a really big w- reaction that we have to that, right? No, I'm a good person. I would. Well, it feel like it gets us stuck in this idea space. Where we're like all in our heads all the time of like, am I thinking the things that good people think? And no one can disagree with me because like, if they disagree with me, that's like, that's basically saying that's take, pulling into question my inherent goodness, you know? And mm-hmm. that is like, turns every conflict into such like a much bigger problem than it necessarily needs to be, you know? Yeah. And and it makes it really hard for us to engage with people and information and history and modern occurrences because no one is all no one we're, no one's a good person. No one's a bad person. Right? That those are not we're not existing that way. And there's no so it, there's just it's just we're dealing with all qualities. We're always dealing with all yeah. And then trying to figure out <laughs> how to define them. So if, we're, if we try to take like goodness and righteousness like outside of the belief-based <laughs> like sphere, yeah, like in into the active sphere, <laughs> yeah, sphere. Um, what are the quali- Like what are the qualities of action? Right, you know that are that represent goodness, righteousness, right. compassion, all these things. And, you know, how do we imbue those into, you know, our martial energy, you know, <laughs> instead of instead of getting stuck in the mental where we're just like reacting to ideas and beliefs that and, and having those reactions just throw us off course constantly yeah. or engage us in conflicts that take up all of our energy. Yeah. Um, I I think about this a lot, and I think it's just because after starting um, like a religious nonprofit and doing more like teaching, it's something that comes up a lot, and it's a really challenging conversation to have, especially because, um, again, the Christian culture ideas of things that are good and bad are obviously like some of them seem to line up but some of them definitely don't line up. And it's really hard for us to then feel like, is anything good? Is anything bad? Um, Some things are, you know, but it becomes a lot more challenging to go through. So the best way that I've, you know, so, so far, hope maybe I'll get, maybe it'll get better, but the best way I've come up to think about it is um, things that are uh, 
like functional. I think functional is the word that I use the most. But that is with the assumption that people, like human beings, are social animals and that we want to treat one another well and that we benefit from having positive, intimate relationships and mutually beneficial interactions with people. So, um, so yeah, so, so my, my uh, definition of functionality has to include all of those qualities of, of being a person. Um, and so it's like, what is going to be harmonious? What is going mm. to be so functional and harmonious with your community, essentially, Fun- whether your community, like, you know, in abroad or. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to talk about it widely because it's going to depend so much on the circumstance, but, you know, if we're thinking about relating to people it's like what is how do you actually act lovingly right and how does that look in different circumstances right because you can't be loving with the folks at the grocery store the way that you are with your kid because that would be very inappropriate and everyone very uncomfortable um (laughs) and it's funny because i feel like in LA, there actually are kind of these people that walk around and say things like, I love you to strangers. Yeah. <laughs> like that, I feel like that's kind of acceptable. It's like one of the places that you'll go and it'll happen. You'll just be like, great, I love you too. Fantastic. Um, but in most places you can't really, you know, do that or, you know, even genuinely, you know, considering what do those words mean? And am I actually expressing those words? Um, even though in some circumstances you can say them and others you can't. Um, so I would say, yeah, if you if you want to think about how do I approach these interactions in a way that's honest, in a way that's loving, in a way that's like functional for both of us, meaning I'm not going to try to hurt you and I'm not going to allow you to hurt me. Um, that's a really important part of functionality. Um yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I think that that's, I don't have anything more to say about that with ethics. Because you ethics can't resolve great. all these, all these questions resolve. on a single podcast test? What the hell? Well, I guess it's, it's just that my belief is that if we kind of direct our attention toward wanting to be true to our nature as people, which is mm-hmm. communal, loving, you know, wanting to express wanting to do our best right wanting to express the best part of ourselves um i don't think that we're inherently violent even though we can be very inherently active um and so wanting to be you know how do i act how do i functionally act that out in the world i think is what i was right. try, trying to be ethical um and and, and again well, everyone's going to be like this i don't want to make it sound like if you're not into people there's not something wrong with you I still don't think that I, st- I think that you can still be like a you would still generally probably tend to be kind and or neutral to people than be harmful to people even if you're yeah. yourself to be antisocial so i think you know it sounds like what you're saying is like you know if if we are honest and courageous with ourselves and sort of try to express ourselves most honestly in the world, that's the best way to act 
in a lot, honest, loving and functional way. Um, but back to your earlier point, it takes a lot of breaking down the worldview that was given to you before you can really get to that point. And it's, um, so, and so, it's so awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an awful process. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and you don't even have to do that necessarily just to kind of start striving to be, you know, to having more harmonious relationships and reactions like you don't necessarily have to do one and then the other like you can start doing both um yeah so yeah i mean and obviously these are the things that are just that i think are the most important and again it's not necessarily the most important thing for everybody to go on this journey in their lives and most of us are just going to do our best in a variety of circumstances and sometimes we'll be awesome and other times we will not be great at all and that's yeah. okay. nothing wrong with that. It's just like, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the next two years just because it looks like a lot of that desire to be expressing that functional, caring, functional, helpful, functional, loving um, desire. It looks like it's going to land in a lot of places in the world. Yeah, and, and not every place. I'm not expecting it to like magically turn into a utopia or anything like that. But I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, of course not. But well, good. I mean, yeah, I, I think I just want to get through December. That's my only uh, my only goal right now. I'm <laughs> like through December expectations. December. I keep seeing like. <laughs> Like if you're just get prepared, if you can get prepared food, this is the year for that. Just and don't even worry about traditional stuff. Just whatever everyone likes to eat. That's what that's what we're eating this year. The food we like. Yeah. Out of containers well, that are irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh so hard. And my mom was like, I don't want to do anything for Thanksgiving this year. I was like, on point, mom. What's on that? point. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. It's almost like Thanksgiving is the more difficult Saturn energy. And then Christmas just looks more like sort of like fighting chaos, you know, like martial, um, like verbal martial energy. So like sparring with words, just like people generally being confused about what someone else is saying, um, all of this. Um, and then even like, and even the full moon, <laughs> uh, this month is on Monday, uh, the 27th, I think, uh, the full moon in Gemini. Let me look up that real quick. So I'm not saying the wrong, saying the wrong thing. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's right opposite the sun and Mars um, and square to Saturn. So it's sort of like the moon is in Gemini kind of like highlighting all the different like threads of our thought process. Gemini is a very, um, it's a mercurial sign that wants to consider every option. Um, so there's this sort of like, 
usually with Gemini, we're thinking of like influx of like many, many ideas, um, looking at all the parts and pieces. And it's, it's almost like Gemini wants to collaborate with Sagittarius optimism. Like it could be this, it could be this, it could be this, this could, we could do this, we could do that. Like trying to parse out all the options and then Saturn just being like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Fuck that idea. That idea sucks too. <laughs> like, no, no, no. And then Mars and the sun just adding a lot of like desperation to the process. Like, but can't like we have to find something that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like fist feeling really frustrated. Um, so I think it's going to be a very frustrating full moon as well. Um, that's the that's going to be the Monday after um, after Thanksgiving. And I think a good thing to do with that full moon is just like write down all the ideas. Even if like you're just getting no's to all of them, mm-hmm. um, because they won't all be no's later, you know. And they might actually, and they could be clues too, right? Even if it's not that exact thing, you might start to see a pattern if you write it down. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I feel like there's so much more to say about all of this, and. It's just going to be a theme we're going to continue to visit because, um, yeah, I mean, this Mars cycle is two years. So we'll be discussing it throughout the two years as there's major moments. Um, definitely talking about it a lot in February during the Venus-Mars conjunction. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think this is good for now. And thank you, Tess, for bringing all of your wisdom to this. And I hope so. Um, <laughs> I've had um I've had like a migraine for like four days now, so I really hope that some of this is coherent. Um, take it with a grain of salt, everybody, as well as everything else that they say. No, it is super coherent. I'm sorry, I'm just like I get to babble about the planets, and then I'm like, Tess, how do we fix this? No, no, it's I, I enjoy <laughs> it. I really enjoy talking about it. It's kind of it's the thing that I'm into, but it also is really hard to jump into the middle of without a lot of backstory. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Hopefully it's helpful. And again, it's just, it's, it's a long process. It's a really long process. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I love you. Thank you very much. Um, you can find my website and like, uh, all information about my work at, um, skies of grace.com um tess's organization is inner currents um she there's information about inner currents and about her work specifically at um innercurrents.com and uh we are doing joint readings we're offering joint readings this year um for the year ahead uh we're pretty excited about it. we've never done it before and i'm going to send out a link to where you can like learn more about those readings and purchase them um, with this episode, um, as well as both of our websites. And of course, if you guys have any questions or topics that you want us to discuss, uh, feel free to let us know like in the Substack. And thanks for listening. Love you too. Bye. <laughs>